Kiora. Welcome to Baptist People. My name's Charles Hewlett. And I'm Catherine Heslop. In our roles as National Leader and Executive Advisor within the Baptist Churches of New Zealand, we daily have the privilege of bumping into interesting people. These podcasts give us the opportunity to introduce them to you and to let them shape us as we endeavour to bring gospel renewal to people and places. In conversation, we explore something of their story. Why do we find them so interesting? What are they giving their lives to? Where does the motivation come from? We reflect together on both the highs and lows of their journey. Thanks heaps for taking the time to listen in today. Today I talk with Fiona Waring. Fiona is a 45-year-old New Zealand Baptist living with terminal cancer. She's married to Mike and they have three children. In this conversation, I ask her what it's like to live with a worsening prognosis, what are the things she grieves, and how has she been experiencing God in this journey? I start by asking her how she's doing. So today I'm having quite a good day um, physically. Uh, I just came out of a couple of days of being in quite a lot of pain and uh, I seem to have got on top of the pain now through medication and rest, which is good. And I'm looking forward to um, yeah, the next couple of days. Hopefully I'll still be in the same, yeah, sure. same position. Because yeah. you, you have been living life to the full. A little bit, eh? <laughs> yes, <laughs> You're getting yeah. around the country, eh? Yeah, we yeah. have. So we've just had an amazing summer with um, family and friends. And yeah. um, it started off with the uh, beginning of December. We took the kids out of school for an extra week and headed up north. We have taken the kids around quite a few places around the country, but we've been talking for ages about going up north and particularly wanting to go up to Waitangi yeah. and um, take the kids there. So, yeah, we had a great time as a family. We had four nights up in Pai here. Um, the weather didn't play ball for us, unfortunately, but yeah. it did on the day that we went to Waitangi. Awesome. And um, we found it really encouraging and exciting that, uh, as well as the, the tour guide who you know took us around and told us all of the sort of official stuff, that our kids were able to tell us quite a few things that we didn't know as well. Yep. And they were quite excited to be able to uh, see some stuff at Waitangi that they'd learned about through school. And so that was really neat for us. Yeah. So we had that. And then we had a really lovely family Christmas in Tauranga with my, all of my family. Mm. And then a couple of days later, we headed off up the Coromandel to Whangamata. Wow. The Whangamata holiday was really, really fantastic. We put some feelers out to a group of friends and said that we had uh, some spots at the camping ground and the owners of the camping ground said that they had quite a few spots available if anyone wanted them. So we kind of just put feelers out to about seven or eight families thinking, you know, maybe a couple might be able to come along. But it turned out that uh, all seven of the families were able to to make it. And there were a lot of our very close friends from um, New Plymouth and we just had an absolutely fantastic time. There was, I think, about 25 kids were there. And it was just a beautiful village of fun and sun and lots of great food. Um, yeah, just, just it, was a, it was a really, really neat time for all of us. Mm. And then we finished it off with, uh, just came back last week, Mike and I went down to Queenstown by ourselves for four nights. Yep. And that's, that's been really great too. So. Mm, we've yeah. had the great mix of time alone as a family, time with friends, yeah. and then time by ourselves. Yeah. And um, 
and we really enjoyed um, the time in Queenstown. I did end up in hospital <laughs> for the first couple of nights I was in hospital, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. and that was that was not good. But they take they took great care of me there and sorted me out, and um, and then we were able to extend the trip by a night so that we still got to do some of the things that we wanted to do, which was really neat. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I have been living life to the full. Yeah, great. Yeah. yeah. Um, what What are the doctors saying to you, Fiona, about the future? Mm, so, what the doctors have ultimately said is that, and we've done this for um, the best part of a year, is that um, ultimately um, the cancer is going to take my life. Yeah. Um, and I guess you know some people may not be aware that um, this is the, the second lot of um, the bowel cancer that I've had. So the original diagnosis was back in 2019 and um, <clears throat> went through the, the, the sort of gold standard conveyor belt of all of the, the things that they do for yeah. people with um, my, my diagnosis. That was when we were living in New Plymouth and then about a year after we moved down here, I am... Um, so they sort of sent me on my merry way saying, you know, all the best for the future and potentially I had a, a, a good chance of um, just going off and, you know, living happily ever yeah. after. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, in, um, around June, July 2021, 20, must be, um, I started having a really, really sore back and um, we thought that it was something to do with, you know, been walking the dog and... She had, you know, pulled me yeah. a bit funny on the lead and yeah. um, spent lots of time and money at physiotherapists and um, osteopaths and things and, yeah. you know, lots and lots of painkillers. And then um, a couple of days when we went into that uh, 21 lockdown, that very instant lockdown that we had, um, yeah, I got a phone call to say that some of my um, uh, markers in my blood, that they would test me every three months, had, yeah. um, shown a huge increase over a, quite a sort of short period of time and so the outcome of that was that after a whole lot of tests um, yeah, they discovered that I had a um, tumour in my sacrum yep. in my lower back yep. and um, and so we were sort of told at the time then that it was inoperable. I had uh, some intense radiation and chemo to try and just sort of shrink the tumour, but yeah. but we knew at the time that you know it was not going to be um, curable. So what the doctors are saying at the moment um, is that we've we're about to start on um, some quite intense chemotherapy. Um, today is Wednesday, isn't it? And yeah. so on Friday I'm going to be yeah. starting chemotherapy. And um, but the aim of it is to try and shrink the tumours because they are growing and they continue to cause. Um, the cause of huge, huge amounts of pain, yeah. and that's actually what's been sort of, I guess, the feature of this whole, um, this whole second lot of, of the cancer in a way that it, it definitely wasn't the first time around. Yeah. is the pain. Yeah, it's been quite debilitating in terms of my ability to um, just kind of function really. Yeah. and yeah. Um, certainly, you know, things had gotten to a point where they were pretty bad a few months ago. I spent a lot of time in hospital mm. um, and I haven't you know, been able to drive or um, just even walk to the end of our street and sort of was loving life between the couch and my bed most of the time. Mm. Um, 
and then they did a, uh, a swap over from the morphine that I was on onto um, a different drug, methadone, yeah. and that's been a real game changer. Yeah. So yeah. that's given me quite a lot of my life back and the ability to do like those things yeah. this summer. You know, there's no way that I would have been able to do that before. So, yeah. mm. so what they're saying is that um, they it's not a, a really high percentage um, yeah. in terms of their hope that it will um, work. They think it maybe about a 30 to 40 percent chance, um, but they're just hopeful that it will um, sort of buy me some time yeah. and yeah. and also, if possible, take away some some of the pain that I'm having as well. Yeah. 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 Mm. So yeah, that's where things are at with that. Yeah. Mm. Um, I'm I'm really keen to 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 hear from you. Um, you know, what 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 is it like to to live with a prognosis? Um, like this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. It's quite surreal. Because even throughout this this time around. Um, I'm not sick. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I am, um, yeah. and I haven't been sick. In fact, the only times when I've been sick throughout the entire cancer journey have been from the treatments that they've given me that mm. have made me sick. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it is quite surreal. I guess, even though, you know, I was talking about getting on top of the pain, um, the pain's never actually gone. I, I don't really ever have a day when I'm pain free. So yeah. I kind of have this constant reminder that that thing in my back isn't just going to go away and, and I can't just go down to the chiropractor and get yeah. it clipped out. Yeah. It is actually um, cancer that's in there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when I have, I'm having moments where I'm just doing normal things or fun things or just, yeah, being around the family and, and things like that, it's surreal. And I every so often I'll just kind of just, you know, I can't believe that I'm, I'm actually dying. Yep. And so it is yeah, quite, quite surreal um, to just sort of be walking around every day. And, and, and I'm, I'm not feeling sick, but I also don't look sick. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I've, I've been using a crutch um, quite a lot when I go out now just because it helps with my mobility. And, but even with that, you know, I, I was in farmers recently and um, a woman said to me, oh, what have you done to yourself? Yeah. You know, thinking yeah. that I've done some sort of an injury or something like that. Um, and of course I didn't say what it was, but it's, um, uh, yeah, I don't look sick and I don't feel sick. So it's quite hard to marry up in, in my mind that, um, yeah, that I, I am actually dying. Yeah. And so, um, it's hard and, um, I, uh, I've been having some, um, counselling for a while and, um, one of the suggestions that, um, the counsellor made, which I found really useful, is just, you know, when you're having those times um, when you're feeling pretty upset or crying or just whatever, is yeah. just allowing yourself, like, sort of a set amount of time each day that you're going to let yourself feel that and feel down and have a cry or an yeah. angry moment or yeah. sad or whatever, and then sort of park it, I guess. And, yeah. um, and the other thing that she said to me, which was great when we went to Queenstown, was, you're not taking your cancer to Queenstown with you, are you? Yeah. Well, I didn't mean to take it when yeah. I ended up in hospital. But, yeah. you know, just that yeah. in itself was really great advice. was like, 
you don't need to take it with you everywhere you go. Yeah. There are times when you can sort of choose to put it aside and not think about it and not dwell on it. And but yeah, it's hard and it's hard thinking about um, the future and what that's going to look like yeah. for me. Because potentially uh, the way things are going with the um, cancer in my back is that it's bit by bit sort of eroding away at some of my mobility and things like that. So. Yeah. Um, it hasn't, as far as we're aware at the moment, it hasn't spread to anywhere else in my body, and so it's sort of potentially affecting, um, like yes, I've got mobility and things more than than it's actually killing me yeah. <laughs> at the moment. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. What um, what 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 are you you grieving um, the most right now? Do you think? Um. On a personal level, I'm just grieving having had so much taken away from me. Yeah. Um, yeah. One of the things, particularly, I'm a teacher, and yeah. um, all of my friends that are teachers have all gone back to work yeah. and are talking about how exciting it is with this classroom and these kids and what they're planning on doing. Yeah. I found that really hard in the last few weeks. and. Um, I'm really lucky in that I still actually got a job, I've got a permanent position, um, and my boss is amazing, and yeah. she's basically said, you know, we, whatever you can manage, we'd love to have you, <laughs> you can relieve, yeah. you know, more work you can do in the second term and things like that, but I'm not up to that, and I know I'm not, yeah. and obviously with me starting chemotherapy, yeah. um, I teach five-year-olds, and um, anyone who's had a five-year-old knows that there's always a lot of... <laughs> Yeah. snot and, and things going around and it, it would be the, yeah. the worst idea possible to go yeah. and teach and so yeah. that's something I'm really really struggling with um, yeah. and because you know that ties in with your sense of identity and purpose and I guess yeah. I've um, teaching is something that I just absolutely love and I've just enjoyed so much um, both living in New Plymouth and here and um, so you know you're asking yourself those questions well who am I when I don't I can't do that thing anymore and I can't yeah. work. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as much as, as things have gotten a lot better since these the new painkillers, there's still lots of stuff that I can't do at home as well. Yeah. And I guess I've grieved the loss of, you know, being able to contribute to the family, mm. feeling like um, I don't, I'm not able to do all the things that I can normally do. And um, I've found that really difficult. Because yeah. normally, yeah. You're a very active eh, yeah. person, yeah. yeah, initiating lots of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Um, and just simple things like um, going for a walk and hearing, yeah. um, I don't know, like, like last night someone was talking about this really neat place that they've been to over in Wairarapa and she was saying, oh, you know, you guys should go and, and then we were talking about the logistics of rocks and this and that and everything and yeah. I just thought, yeah. well, yeah. I couldn't do that, yeah. you know. I, I possibly... Yeah wouldn't even have the energy to do it, but even if I could, my body wouldn't allow me to do that mm. now. And mm. um, it's that kind of stuff, but on a personal level. Um, mm. But I guess the stuff I'm grieving over too is just thinking about the future, and particularly with um, Mike and, and our kids. Yeah. And um, you know, our youngest is 11. I just look at him and think, he needs a mum. Yeah. And, well, they all do. You know, our yeah. oldest is 18, and he needs a mum too. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think that's probably one of the hardest things is yeah. 
Now we don't have a time frame, we don't know how long, but it's most likely in the next couple of years um, that I will pass away and I just, I look at the kids and I think how much I needed a mum when I was that age and yeah. I just want to stay forever, yeah. you know, I want to stay for as long as I can and um, we've talked about that, I've talked about that with the kids and just say to the kids, you know, I, I, I don't want to leave you, I don't want to say goodbye and I don't want you to not have me and I have no control over it. Yeah. And I know that they do know, they do understand, but I also know that um, when I'm gone, it's just going to be so incredibly tough for them, and they will get through it, they, they will be okay, but I just, um, yeah, that's that's probably one of the hardest yeah. things. And thinking about Mike having to, um, you know, parent without me, and um, not having me around as a, a friend and a wife, yeah. and... Um, yeah, a co-parent and all of those roles that we are to each other. Yeah. Mm. As, as you know, Fiona, my, my daughter died of cancer over a period of about 13 years. Mm. And um, there, were, there were many moments um, of anger, hey, of frustration, mm. of this is very, very unfair. Mm. Yeah. Do, do you have moments like that? Um, yeah. How do you process some of those emotions? Mm. Yeah, I do, and it's interesting because I've been reflecting on this a little bit because I've been feeling like that quite a bit recently, yeah. and um, I realised that during the first round of cancer, um, I didn't feel like that very often, and I think that's because there was a sense of hope. Yep. So, you know, they're very, very positive about the fact that um, we've caught it early, it's treatable, this percentage of people, if they get it, will go on to live for 25 more years, and you know, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And so, as much as it was unfair, yeah. and, it, yeah. and there were some really kind of hideous times during that 18-month period, there was a sense of hope. And so, it was like, if you can just get on your little treadmill, convey belt thingy or whatever, and do all the right yeah. stops, yeah. you should be fine. Yeah. And so, I don't, and I just remember thinking, also, well, it is unfair, but, you know, why? there's lots of things in life that are unfair, and I, I, I just, I felt differently about it, yeah. whereas this time around, and particularly recently, I have really started to feel that a lot more, and the unfairness, I think, it, it's also a lot about the kids, it's unfair on the kids. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to be gone, and I'm not... I'm not going to be here to feel sorry for myself, but um, yeah, I think I I'm allowing I've started to allow myself and give myself permission to feel that mm -hmm. yep. more. Yeah, that it's, it's okay to feel angry. It's okay to feel like it's unfair and stamp my feet and sometimes mm -hmm. swear in the shower and yeah, you know, um. And how do I deal with that? Well, I, yeah, I let myself have the emotions. And like I was saying a little bit before about the, the counsellor, I let myself have that time. Yeah. And I might be crying, it might be talking to a friend or talking to God or, yeah, there's different, turning up music really loud in the car or, I don't know, there's different, yeah. depends what the, 
the situation is, I guess. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I've I've definitely felt it more this time because there's no hope. And, and when I say that, I want to quickly put in here, there is hope in the sense that, you know, there's a huge group of people praying for my healing, mm-hmm. and I believe a hundred percent that I could be healed, mm-hmm. and yeah. I um. I, I'm asking God about that yeah. on a regular basis, yeah. <laughs> um, but I also know that you know miracles don't happen every day, and yeah. um, that the doctors are saying that um, you know I, I am going to die from, from this. So yeah. right, that's a whole other big thing, isn't it? It's yeah. holding those two beliefs and intention of I do believe that I can be healed, yeah. but I'm also being realistic that I probably won't be. And so I don't know what some of the listeners are going to think about that. Because, <laughs> um, you know, you are a person of faith, eh? you're a follower of yeah. Jesus. So I was, I was going to ask you, you know, what do you talk to God about? Yeah. Um, sometimes I just, I talk to him a lot about the kids. Yeah. And um, I ask him for more time. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes I'll say, well, if I can't be healed, can I at least have more time? Yeah. That's a pretty... That's been a theme actually through this second lot is, um, yeah, asking if, if I can't have the best thing, can I have the second best thing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I talked to him about that. I um, sometimes I find it hard to talk to him at all. Mm. You know, I if I'm feeling angry and disconnected, I can just go through periods of time where I just don't feel that I have anything to say to him or yeah. ask him or say thank you for mm-hmm. I just don't feel like I have the words mm-hmm. and I guess that's where you know being part of a Christian community yep. you have other people around you that can carry you yep. when you don't have the words yes. yep. I some people will know if they know me that I've been really involved with a lot of music stuff and worship stuff through church and that and so for me, a lot of worship music has been really, really yeah. key in my communication with God. And particularly last time around when I was going through sort of fatigue, you know, it was like a month where I couldn't get out of bed and stuff, I would often just have a playlist on Spotify playing and they were just, I guess, words that I just couldn't say myself yeah. and I would just listen to them listen to the music and that was those were my prayers yeah. and um, yeah I suspect going into the chemotherapy that that's probably going to happen again too with the yeah. fatigue and because you know if anyone listening has sort of a, been through any real fatigue you just it's not just to do with your body it's to do with your mind as well that you often just can't even think straight or yeah. string a sentence together in yeah. your mind and yeah. um so I just, I guess, almost, you know, we just have open hands and we'll just say, okay, Lord, here I am. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know what to say today, but I'm here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do, do you, have you seen God in the journey? Mm-hmm. How, how, has he been present? How have you seen him? Well, I've definitely seen him practically. So, yeah. um, you know, we've just had 
millions of meals <laughs> um, made for us by yeah. friends and yeah. family and people from different churches and things like that. So, you know, that's been amazing. So meals and other things like having our kids, they, the kids looked after, taking me to appointments and uh, that's come from not all people that would be followers of Jesus at all, yeah, yeah. you know, lots of my um, colleagues through school, both here in, um, in New Plymouth, have happily taken me to a long to hospital appointments and sat with me during chemo and all that kind of stuff. Um, so we've had loads and loads of practical support and, you know, God's put his fingers all over that, fingerprints yeah. everywhere for that, so that's been just amazing. Financially, people have blessed us that I couldn't work and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and I guess probably just the the main thing is I've just sensed that God has never left me or forsaken me. Yeah. He, you know, I may not be having the answers to prayer that I want, yeah. but he's not walking away from me. He's yeah. just with me, yeah. holding my hand and um, walking with me on the journey, really. Yeah. And I know that sounds really cliche, but... That's what sometimes, it is. sometimes that's all you've got. The way is, oh. is, is, is is knowing God and His promises. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's probably where I'll talk to you about my new um, ink that I have. You've come back to Queenstown with. <laughs> so I've been to Queenstown. Come back with a tattoo, and um, <laughs> I've actually wanted a tattoo since I was about fifteen or sixteen. But what I would have got then would have been far different. <laughs> to, to what I've ended up with. I'm sure your mum is pleased that you've waited till now. Yeah, I think my mum is pleased that I've waited to 45 years old to get a tattoo. <laughs> so, on my forearm, I've got a tattoo that says, This is not the end of my story. And the story behind the tattoo is that um, around four years ago, when I did my first sort of radiation, we lived in New Plymouth, they didn't have radiation there, so all of those people have to go to Palmerston North. Yep. So, I had to go to Palmerston North for five weeks to do my radiation there. And, you know, that was a pretty hard time being away from the kids and it's pretty, I feel pretty apprehensive when you're, for the first time, you know, lying down on this table waiting to get zapped mm. by the machine. Mm. And so you, they get you in position and you're lying there and then they leave the room and they, the door locks because obviously they don't want yep. radiation to spread out to everybody else. And so I was just lying on the bed waiting for the machine to start up. And as soon as the machine started, I just heard almost like an audible voice saying, this is not the end of your story. And, you know, <laughs> it's the only time I've ever experienced anything like that. Um, yeah, and so that's probably, um, that's tied in actually with a lot of my reflecting and thinking about my faith and how I feel around things to do with suffering yeah. all that kind of stuff yeah. and um, I have explored that quite a lot over the last four years and straight away when when I heard that voice yeah. I didn't I, I never once thought that that meant that I was going to be healed completely I didn't feel at all that that was a promise of yeah. healing yeah. I just had a, like a sense of a promise of however this ends up your story won't be finished yeah. you know your your story on earth might be finished here yeah. 
but you have the rest of your story to live on, you know, when you go to be with God. Um, and then also, I guess, is it thing of like my story as a person is going to live on through yeah. my family and yeah. through yeah. my children and a legacy that I can leave behind for them. It was pretty, pretty yeah. powerful yeah. moment. Yeah. And yeah. I haven't actually told a lot of people until now. I'm yeah. telling everybody. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, that's been something I've kept quite close to my heart. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Now it's on my forearm, so it's out there. <laughs> <laughs> um, how, how do you hope that your story might continue on? Mm. Obviously, my ultimate hope was that my story could go on for another 20 or 30 years here on Earth. But, yep. you know, yep. I guess my hope is that when I leave, that people will remember me as being an authentic person. Yep. Um, yep. Somebody that doesn't shy away from things that are a little bit hard. Yep. Um, somebody who loved a lot of different people, people that were not necessarily the easy, easy people yep. to love, but yep. people who sometimes made themselves very difficult to love and yep. um, through yep. choices or circumstances or whatever. And I, I hope that my children will have seen some of those things in me and want to find out more about why, what drove me mm. to, to want to live that way. And um, yeah. Mm. So, one of the people that's been very significant throughout this journey, well, first of all, a quick background was um, a little shout-out to Mick Duncan. <laughs> <laughs> um, years ago, when Mike and I went to a BYM Queen's Birthday weekend, Mick was speaking, and I don't remember the passage or anything like that, but the basic thing that he was talking about in this message was the fact that what did God actually kind of promise us, and he didn't. He never promised us that we were going to have an easy life yeah. or that we wouldn't have suffering or anything like that because we choose to follow him. You know, it's that he promised us that he'll never leave us or forsake us and yeah. he'll walk with us and that ultimately we can go be with him in heaven, whatever that is. And anyway, so that was kind of already there as a little bit of a platform for my thinking. Yes. But it didn't have a lot of meat on it because I hadn't needed to put it into practice yeah. because I hadn't had anything yeah. difficult happen to me. And then, you know, I had my tattoo-inspiring moment, and a person that I've come across, a friend put me on to her, is um, Kate Bowler. Yep. And she is a really, really amazing woman, and I, anyone that's listening, if you've got time, um, she's got podcasts, she's written a couple of books, she's got a really amazing TED Talk as well. And um, her story in a nutshell is that she, she had been doing a PhD, and it was all around... Um, in America, it was all around the prosperity doctrine of health and wealth. Yep. She'd followed all these mega church pastors around and interviewed them and some quite big names that were you know, pretty well known. And she was coming in, in her mind she was doing it as an observer, it was all to do with her study and all that kind of thing. But then at the age of, I think she was about 33 or 34, she was... Um, married to her high school sweetheart, she had this new baby, her life was perfect, she'd got her job in um, academia and talked all about that, and then she got a phone call to say that she had stage 4 bowel cancer. And um, what she realised almost immediately was that as much as she had thought that she was just an observer, yep. that she had actually bought into quite a lot of that herself, 
not so much the wealth side of things, but the health side of things, yeah. and very much like, if I'm a good person, yeah. and I've done this, and I've, I haven't done any bad things, and I'm this and the other thing, and so why would I be, how come yeah. I've got cancer? And yeah. So it's made her kind of um, really explore those issues a lot herself, and so the book that she wrote immediately after this time was Everything Happens for a Reason, and Other Lies I've Loved. Yep. And um, so I read that book, and it's just been really, yeah, really mm. influential in my thinking around mm. stuff. Mm. And um, her next book is called No Cure for Being Human. And she just talks about this thing of, um, she <laughs> she'll say things like, have a beautiful, terrible day, because we're living in this horrific, awful time, but we can also be embracing the joy and the beauty at the same time and hold those two things together. Mm. And, um, you know, she talks about things just being good enough. We don't actually have to have things perfect. And anyway, she's a great, she's just been a great um, yeah, yeah. person for me. Yeah. And she's helped to solidify quite a few, a few of the ideas that I guess Mick has started to put in. Yeah. And, of course, once you've got your own crisis happening in front of you, it's a lot easier to put meat on top yes. because yeah. you've actually got a yeah. thing. So, um, yeah. That's where I've sort of sat with stuff, and I think I found her really helpful, um, just for unpacking how I feel about things. And yeah. you and Mike must think a lot about, or talk together a lot about the future. What goes through your mind when you think about the future? Um, I feel sad. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I feel really sad that um, my kids are going to grow up without a mum. Yeah. Uh, like I said, even though you know oldest is 18, but we all know that there's just so many times after young adulthood and that you still need a mum. But it's not mm. even just needing a mum; it's just wanting a mum, mm. and it's a privilege. Um, yep. I feel sad that I won't most likely get to have grandchildren, and yeah. I feel sad for them that they don't get to have me because I know that yeah. I'd be a really great grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> I love children, yeah. I love babies, and I'd love to be there for those moments in their life. You know. Yeah. Um, I feel sad thinking about Mike being on his own and yeah, um, yeah. Mm. but I also I'm starting to want to feel a sense of hope for my future and, and the sense of that knowing where I'm going yeah you know yeah. Um, yeah but it's hard to when there's so many earthly things right in front of you that are sad. Yeah. Because yeah. I don't have any doubts about what will happen after I die, but it's, yeah, mostly I just feel sad when yeah. I think yeah. about the future. Yeah. Mm. Mm. I guess I do, I feel hope for our children um, because I know that we've put so much into them and I have to, and I trust that what we've done will be enough mm. and they have a great lot of people around them that are going to help to raise them yeah, and yeah, so I, I don't just feel sad. I yeah, feel, yeah. <laughs> I feel yeah. hope yeah. For, for things yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, you have some confidence, eh? Yeah, about the I future. have confidence. Yeah. yeah, I know that they will be well loved and cared for. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's not all sad. But well, what, what brings you the most joy right now? Yeah, it it definitely is the small things. Yeah, because. And particularly because I've come from a place where everything felt like it had been taken away, 
now that I'm able to do some more things, like yesterday I drove myself down to the shops and I drove home, and that's only like a 10 minute drive, but I couldn't do that before. Yes. And when I couldn't do it, I had my freedom. You know? So, yeah. Yeah. it just, I, the first time I did it, I just said, I just drove the car. I, I just went down, you know, and it, it just felt really good to yeah. have that freedom back again. Um, and so then with that, obviously, has come the ability to be able to do things like take my daughter out for a coffee or mm. just go down, take the kids down to the beach or go with them on the walk yep. with the dog. Yep. So, yeah, it's little things. Mm. I think, like, for example, the camping trip, there was so much joy there, and that was because it was just about seeing my family with all the their beautiful friends yeah. and being in that village and just the way that everyone had so much fun together. So that just brought me so much joy. And being able to go to Queenstown with Mike because we didn't know if I would be able to do something like that. And so when you can do it, it brings you lots of joy. And I do, I love, you know, I always feel a sense of connection to God when I'm out in nature. So, um, which doesn't happen much at the moment. But when I get those opportunities, even just last night, we took the dog for a walk and I was just being out in the beautiful cool air just walking around and mm. yeah mm. so I think it's those kind of things talking to friends and family yeah. that brings me heaps of joy yeah just having people drop in little messages into my phone you know thinking of you and yeah. um, praying for you or yeah. silly emojis and gifts and memes and all that kind of stuff that yeah, brings yeah. me joy yeah. as well <laughs> um books a lot of really loads of books and um, I've got a, a pile of different books that I'm planning on reading once mm. I start the chemo. So, yeah, it's just actually the simple things. Oh, yep. um, food, love food, chocolate, ice cream, lots of joy from that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I think you're a beautiful person, Fiona. And um, it's been really good to spend some time with you. I said to you before, not a, hardly a day goes by when someone doesn't say to me, have you heard how Fiona is? Mm. You, you're deeply loved. Um, maybe maybe a, a final question would be, you know, what, what would you most like people to know right now? About me or just <laughs> my big message yeah, to the world? Just, yeah. Um, I think that getting... Um, all these messages of support and people praying for you and all that kind of stuff and don't underestimate how powerful that can be yeah. for a person in my situation yeah. and I know that often people feel quite helpless because they just want to do something yeah. but a lot of the time particularly if they're not near you there's not actually that much that they can do really um, but just knowing that people are there for you and people taking the time to send you a message or write your card or whatever it is, mm. you know, that that does really mean a lot yeah. um, to people yeah. in my, my situation. Thanks, Fiona. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh. <laughs> it's been lovely to chat and um, jokingly saying that this podcast is sponsored by the tattoo parlour down in um, Queenstown, were we? <laughs> <laughs> I've just about convinced Charles to get a tattoo of himself. What, what so. would you recommend for me? I don't know. <laughs> well, <laughs> something to think about. Yeah, something. To, maybe you could get the listeners to send in some tattoo ideas, Charles. Yeah. yeah.
<laughs> I think it's time to crystals. Okay, right. <laughs> okay. Thank you.